What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today I'm being joined by Matt. Matt, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. That's good. I'm glad you're here. So, Matt, you, we've, you've been on before. You and Jordan have usually sort of a bit of a double act, but you're uh, you're coming on your own today. Um, yeah, flying and, solo. Uh, <laughs> flying solo. <laughs> um, but you, just to get a bit of a pop in, sort of, you've obviously got the uh, uh, Toon Jam podcast uh, out and yes. about. So, get, yeah. get before we do anything, give that a bit of a push, bit of a bit of a plug. Okay, yeah, the Toon Jam podcast uh, for any of you that are interested in cartoons from pretty much whenever we do a weekly show and cover i mean initially it was just 90s but we've ended up breaking the boundaries of our own rules <laughs> going into all ages so we're currently doing a run on mtv cartoons and then who knows what's next sort of figure out as we go but yeah it's just a fun show where we sort of review shows and check out if you know if it's remembered just for pure nostalgia or actually is any good. good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've, you've had some interesting ones on there. Uh, like let's say, listen, these aren't just your regular sh- like cartoons. You've had some really obscure, um, <laughs> um, you know, ones you actually, when you were doing the nineties and stuff and you sort of like an episode would pop up and I'm like, Ooh, fat dog Mendoza. I haven't thought about that in years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to like, Trying to do a few mainstream ones, but then mm. ones that maybe no one remembers or just we remember, or you know, yeah. we try to hit those ones where you you're trying to tell your mates. Do you remember this one? I can't remember what it was, but it <laughs> a, a, a dog in it. Yeah, and they're like, no, that's that's every cartoon. I have to admit, because I mean, you know, I've got uh, Ellie. Uh, she's seven now, and um, she's obviously watching all kinds of different bits and pieces, mostly on YouTube, to be fair. But she watches yeah. all kinds of ga- cartoons. Um, from like Cartoon Network and stuff, and it's like that cycle now. Like everyone who was watching cartoons in the nineties and early two thousands, like there's really weird cartoons or sort of stuff that was, you know, and I'm thinking like um, Rocker's Modern Life through to Cow and Chicken and all those yeah. kinds of things. Clearly, are now making cartoons, um, and it's sort of it's clearly coming through that like, oh, okay, I can see where this came from. Yeah. Um, there's one at the moment she watches called The Adventures of Gumball and something else. Um, yes. Yeah. It's and, uh, like a Cartoon Network. Yeah, and I, I was like, oh, this. Yeah, I was like, that looks rubbish. And then I sort of accidentally watched an episode. And I was like, oh no, no, this is genius. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I love what you guys do. It's uh, so well worth listening to, guys. Check it out. Check out uh, Toon Jam, and you're on everything, aren't you? So you're on all the the usual podcast yeah. characters. Yeah, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. So it's just Toon Jam. You'll find cool. us there. Little green splat. Yeah, but I've also got to say thank you because Jordan obviously uh, designed one of my logos as well. So, uh, you know, all kinds of talent coming from that place. Um, yeah, he's good. He's good. 
Yeah. So, well. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I assumed he would have done. I say, otherwise, it was sort of like real smack in his yeah. face. If you're like, no, somebody else will do ours. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Um, so today we are going to be talking about a couple of films. It's going to be a two-parter, I think this one. But um, we're going to be talking about. Uh, I, I've called it like pulp hero movies of the early nineties, um, and mainly because they sort of fit into sort of like the pulp hero category. However, only one of the films we talk about actually appeared in Pulp Adventures of the thirties. <laughs> um, others appeared in early comics and that sort of thing, but yeah. mostly they're sort of they're just sort of later things. Um, so the films we're going to talk about in the next couple of episodes is uh, Dick Tracy from nineteen ninety, Darkman from nineteen ninety. The Rocketeer from 1991, and then we're going to jump forward into the 90s to uh, The Shadow in 1994 and The Phantom um, in 1997. And of all of those, only The Shadow is actually a pulp hero. Uh, Dick Tracy and The Phantom appeared in sort of comics, and then the other two just, <laughs> I just happened to sort of just fit into this. Uh, uh, yeah, well, world. I think, um, well, I know The Rocketeer, obviously, that was a comic I wanted. Mm-hmm. Was it? 80 81 yeah 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 but it, it i know it's got like references to the shadow in it and stuff, yes it? So, yeah yeah it is in the shadows world it sort of fits in that sort of category um i i i had it i bought it off comics holiday on a sale long time ago yeah um and i sort of forgot i had it and i was, I was, I was like, when i was sort of setting this i was like I've got, i think i've got this and um <laughs> yeah it's uh um what's the name i'm just gonna check now it's David, yeah, Dave Stevens, who obviously wrote yeah. it and, and drew it, and it's really good. Like it follows yeah. the, like the film is very close to it, but the, the art in it and it's is is excellent. And the, I think it, especially for when it was made, it looks yeah. stunning. I don't know if they've recolored it or or something. No, apparently not. <laughs> I can check this. I think they may have done not recently at least. Um, but no, even his art like um, is very like ahead of its time. You know, Definitely. I wouldn't have for for eighty one. Like, um, it looks like it could have been released today. It's that it's that good. Yeah, um, I think the only telltale is like the dialogue boxes. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with them. It's just you can tell that you know they're a bit bigger than they would be now or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, the art's like spawn. It's, it's, it's it, it is. It's fantastic. I mean, it's in, it, what's interesting as well is obviously it has its um. Uh, Inspiration. We'll get to it. You know, when we talk about it, but like you know, like Cliff Secord is um, uh, dating uh, who is clearly supposed to be Betty Page because it's not that yeah. the, the model. Um, they didn't want to do that. Disney, Disney didn't want to do that for the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think, I think they. I've read they asked her to. They asked if they could use a name, mm. and they said no. And she said no. Oh, okay. So I don't wow. know why. Could be Yeah. That's a shame because it's because it's quite interesting that she's obviously in there, um, yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna jump forward. We're gonna jump back a little bit first. So we're, we're, and this is still an interesting film. Um, uh, we'll start with Dick Tracy. But the, the yeah. first thing I, I think I want to mention is why these films came about, um, and I can only think of one thing, and I think it's Batman. Yeah, it's sort of they all scream Batman, don't they? Well, let's be honest, both Darkman and Dick Tracy, the films we're going to speak about first, both have Danny Elfman doing the score. Yeah. <laughs> he had a very... And if anything, with Warren Beatty... Uh, sorry, with Dick Tracy, he basically was like, yeah, I didn't use this one in Batman. Do you want it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, you can tell, can't you, though? Like, it feels, it feels just like another city in the same world. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's clear that the studios were like, oh, well, Batman's made an absolute fortune and all this merchandising yeah. and all this other stuff. What what heroes or what comic book characters <laughs> can we use that we haven't got to pay for? Yeah. Like almost uh, like these dark, and they try to make, like they made, even though Dick Tracy's like super bright, it's yeah. got a certain darkness to it as well. Yeah, this film is is um, incredible. So it's bizarre. Is what it is. Yeah. Dick Tracy from 1990, written, uh, directed by uh, Warren Beatty, and uh, music by Danny Elfman, as we said, uh, starring Warren Beatty, aged 52 as Dick Tracy, <laughs> um, Madonna at the Breathless Mahoney, uh, Al Pacino chewing up scenery left, right, and centre. Oh man, as, yeah. As Big Boy Caprice, and then uh, uh, Gene Headley as Tess Trueheart. Sort of like who was clearly about twenty years younger than uh, Warren Beatty at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got. Isn't uh, Gene um, Dustin Hoffman? Sorry, in it. Dustin, yeah, James, yeah, Dustin Hoffman is Mumbles. um, Yeah. And um, this has got so many sort of like weird little cameos in. You know, this sort of like I know him. Um, Yeah. James Khan appears in it. Yeah. (laughs) and at one point, the guy who is Lips something or other is is sort of like a, he also appears in the Rocketeer. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So because I watched this afterwards, and I was like, I know, sure, I've seen him in something recently. <laughs> and then looked it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be it. <laughs> but he also, yeah, but he also appeared in Goodfellas and stuff like that. So basically, yeah. Warren Beatty was like, I need this to feel like a gangster film, and then just looked at Scorsese films and was like, who can I take? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, the plot is really sort of basically the plot comes down to Warren Beatty is Dick Tracy, who's a detective uh, on uh, the police force, uh, and Big Boy Caprice is taking over the crime sort of syndicate of the town, and he has to take him down. Um, yeah. And there's someone else, like a faceless uh, uh, antagonist, who sort of who's literally faceless. Um, providing information to both sides and sort of seems like they're playing the field a little bit, uh, taking you know, um, moving the plot on. Um, but it's, I mean, that's as simple as it gets, really, isn't it? I mean, this, yeah, this, this, I mean, they add a few bits and bobs, don't they? Like, you've got this kid, yeah, it's so, literally called, it's literally called the kid, the kid, um, yeah, but it's some I, sort of little sidekick. Yeah, and it's yeah again. It's that thing, isn't it? Of sort of like right, we need we need kid uh, friendliness for this. Um, <laughs> so there must be a child actor in it. And to be fair, he's not bad. The kid in this no. isn't too bad actually. He's all right. Um, what's what's weirder about this film is, as you say, it's it's bizarrely sort of like Technicolor and dark at the same time. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't know where. Uh, like, I don't know if it was trying to be trying to be something like original. Mm. Or if it was just two people trying to do two different things, and they got caught in the middle, <laughs> it's really hard to tell. Well, the, one of the, there's a scene at the be- close to the beginning um, where uh, Dick Tracy sort of follows the kid back to sort of like a shack. It's set in the thirties, so that, you know it's his depression yeah. era America, and he follows him back to this shack, and you find out that this this guy's there who may or may not be the kid's father. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, where is this? It's like some sort of shanty house. 
Yeah, in the middle of like a field, like it just sort of sits. Yeah. There's, no, there's no, there's no others around it. It's just this one sort of like shack. Um, but like you say, up until this point, it's been daylight. It's been quite day. You know, he's wearing his yellow coat. All the sort of, I mean, the film literally starts. Or I'll get to that moment, but literally starts with a card game. It's gangsters playing cards, and yeah. you've got like the the mad prosthetics, like one guy with a massive head, some guy with like, you know droopy ears. I'm like, what? What am I and watching? It's, it, yeah, and, and it never really. It never really sits well. The, the, mm. the faces—they never—you never get used to it. No. No. I think the trouble, like part of the problem, is that there's celebrities under there. Yeah, so you kind of know. You kind of know who they are, and you're like, "Why they look so horrible?" Yeah. What? Why is this? Yeah. Why do they look like that? I don't understand it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been really like Daigle and weird, and then he gets to this shanty town after following the kid. And it follows up with him, like literally, just like kicking the crap out of this guy, um, and then basically trying to sort of like save the kid. But then once that's done, it sort of like pans out, and you see this sort of um, map painting of the city. And again, it's done with sort of almost like glow in the dark day glow paint, but with a black background. And I'm thinking like you, you, like, you know, um, Tim Burton influence on this is you know yeah. is all over it. Um, and then, but it pulls out the map painting, and then zooms in on another part of the map painting for another part for another scene, for another street scene, which is quite cool. I mean, some of the some of the uh, um, cinematography and stuff cool. But the, the mm. thing I thought about as well, watching this, and this is with hindsight, is really was um, oh a, a, a dame to kill for it, and um, bloody yeah, what kind of thing was called the um, Frank Miller's Sin City. Yeah, Sin City. Yeah, of course. Th- this felt like like. An early, like an early, kiddie version of Sin City. Yeah, so somewhere a bit closer to the spirit, maybe. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, but I quite enjoy it. I mean, what are your thoughts on sort of the way the film sort of opens and and transition yeah, to it? It is. I couldn't get over the strange, the visual strangeness of the characters. Mm. it's just never like like i say it never sits with you and you kind of like you know eventually you get what the film is okay i accept that they all look like terrifying freaks um but then like it's like it's like you've got this old guy running around in a yellow suit (laughs) like (laughs) and just all he all he seems to do is just arrest everyone and then have to let them go that's like the series of the well, start, at least it's just like yeah, you're under arrest. See you later. You're well, this is the thing, though. Like, yeah, he doesn't actually seem, and this is one of the things I think you find with sort of he's not a great detective, is he? No, there's, like, they've not really thought through. They're just no. like, oh look, he's, he is Dick Tracy. You're you get it, and that's that. Yeah, like he's trying to take down a, a, like a, a criminal gang, like an organized crime gang, but. He seems to do it by basically wanting to rough people up. Like at no point does he sort of say, right, what evidence am I looking for of, you know, criminal activity? I'm not even sure what criminal activity they do. They just seem to exist. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, is, is there something about prohibition? It seems like he's got a speakeasy, which like like Al Pacino's club yeah. is the most underwhelming club yeah. Yeah. I've ever seen, I think. It's just like some village hall somewhere yeah. with three it, tables it's almost like they, they ran out of plot and then they were getting to the set dressing of the club and they were like ah bollocks <laughs> this, this, this is rubbish but yeah we've got a couple of white tablecloths that might look all right um but you're right because I, I was sort of like oh yeah you just sort of accept that they're a criminal gang but when i thought back and i was like 
right, they actually do kill some people. You know, they do. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm really not sure what they're trying to hide. It's like all they're doing is killing each other. Yeah. It's almost like, all right, we'll keep it within that bit. Do what you want, you know. Yeah, like you're, you like, you're basically doing our job for us at this point because <laughs> yeah, all is kill each other, and he's not. He doesn't even open his club. No, he gets because well, the film ends at sort of like the grand opening of the club, doesn't it? That's the sort of yeah. thing. Well, he takes he just, the club. Suppose, he spends he spends a lot of time slapping women up. <laughs> like Al Pacino just keeps like slapping Madonna every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a great scene because Madonna sort of is the sort of the lead attraction or the lead singer um, of uh, the club, and, and it's he weird takes the songs as well, aren't they? Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, he wrote the songs for it. Yes, strange. It, it is the whole thing's bizarre because like, they don't, they clearly don't fit Madonna. Um, no. Like you'd think, sort of, like, if you're going to get Madonna, who's sort of like a pop icon at this point you know the 90s yeah. is sort of like her so this is her you know prime like height, isn't it? yeah yeah you'd be thinking right you want to get her doing some really like, high energetic song or something a bit sort of like sexy or whatever nope <laughs> no. it's really sort of like uh run of the mill really dowdy it's it's bizarre sort of the, the some of the club scenes i mean yeah. that's not to say that she's not okay in this she's i mean she's incredibly sexy but again the thing i find with again this thing about tone is, you know, it's day glow, it's sort of meant to be the 30s, it's meant to be sort of like, you know, it's a PG, and then all of a sudden you've got a scene where she's in sort of like some almost see-through negligee trying to yeah. seduce uh, Dick Tracy, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is falling into, like, basic instinct territory, and I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable this is supposed to be it's, a kid's film. It's whole The whole sort of... Her role in the film is strange, full stop. I, I don't really understand why she's in love with him. I don't no. really understand why he falls for her. And it was what? like they didn't really want him to have a girlfriend in the film, but because of the history of Dick Tracy, yeah. Tess had to be there. And, you know, Warren Beatty was a bit like, oh, I just wanted to, like, make out with young, hot pop stars. And yeah. now I'm flipping. <laughs> I I'm I'm the director, I'm the producer, and I'm the star. I shall, I shall molest and harass whoever the hell I please. Um, it is. Like, but the thing is, like I say, in this film, like at the beginning of the film, she is obviously the attraction. And maybe you and I have missed something. Maybe this film's got a really deep meaning. We just don't know. But she's the attraction, like the main singer in this club. The club then gets taken over. And that seems to be her sole motivation for what she does in the film is like, oh, I've yeah. been forced. I've, I've been forced to work for a new boss. And you're sort of like, well, just move clubs. I'm sure that's a yeah. better way of dealing with this. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she, she, I mean, the, the faceless person that is sort of like, you know, feeding information and stuff to um, Al Capone's enemy, Al Capone's, Al Pacino's, <laughs> Al big, boy, yeah, big boy Caprice's enemies, which included Tracy, turns out to be uh, Madonna's breathless Mahoney. But yeah, like, which I mean, I think probably on the second time you see the faceless character, you know. Yeah. I would say it's like, oh, that's clearly a woman. The voice, the voice change is a big clue. Yeah, you know, it's it it's not it's like, not uh, it's not well hidden, is it? No, it just sounds like Princess Leia, in yeah. you know when she's in that disguise. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the a... same voice. Yeah, but I'm not sure what her motivation is. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, no. um, 
But again, like you say, it's clear. One of the things I would say is it's clear the cast are having an absolute whale of a time making this film. Like nobody seems yeah. to care. Like it's just mental. And I think almost like I think it definitely suffers from a fact that Al Pacino is the main villain because I feel like Warren Beatty was just like, yeah, oh, I love Al Pacino, and yeah. just kept letting him do too much. To the point that it actually like there's nothing wrong with what you see, and I'm not saying like he's bad in it or anything, but there there comes points where it's like, why am I watching him do this? Yeah. Why is it still going on? And and he's like, it's him just being funny with his outfit on, but you're like, this doesn't help the story. It's just because it's Al Pacino that this is in it. Like he was well, too then, big for the role almost. Yeah, I know. I agree. It's almost like there are scenes in this that literally mirror Batman. There's a scene yeah. where he has taken over the sort of like the crime gangs of this city. And so he calls all the others there to sort of like basically to throw his weight around and to sort of prove, you know, to prove he's the boss. And you have James Kahn in sort of like not where I noticed like James Kahn's not wearing any prosthetics. They've just sort of given him a bit of a mustache and stuff. Cause I'm sure they were like, <laughs> Mr. Kahn, we want you to have this massive head on. And he's like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like he's the only person not wearing prosthetics in the room. Um, yeah. And, I think uh, you might have like droopy ears or something. Yeah, the, yeah. I'll wear, just, the I'll, I'll wear an earring and maybe this. That's it. Um, <laughs> but like you say, like it's clearly a mirror of the same scene from Batman. And all I can think of is like Jack Nicholson's The Joker is just better. Although this yeah. is funny watching uh, Al Pacino sort of like like you know quite literally just like throwing his weight around and shouting. It's funny, but I'm thinking if you're going to stand up and compare, you know, to try and compare yourself, yeah. To that film, like you're gonna have to do something pretty special, and this just sort of falls short a little bit. Um, yeah, it is like in in almost every respect, the poor man's Batman. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even the end, even as it sort of you know reaches its climax, you have sort of um, yes, yeah, like the, instead of the clock tower, you've got some what inner workings of is it is it and I know there's cogs in it. I think it's supposed to be a clock or a mill or something. A bridge or something, isn't it? Like a oh, possibly, yeah. Like one of them lifting bridges. Yeah, but you know everything from sort of like the lighting to other bits yeah. and pieces. Like it very much feels like they're they're trying to go for that Tim Burton aesthetic. Um, but like again, this thing of like you know the in the eighty nine Batman, like Batman clearly is not that bothered about killing people. It's just something that's you know happens in that film. But yeah. neither is Dick Tracy. Like he's supposed to be a person of the, you know, of the law. But at the end of this film, he and there are other times as well. He just r- runs into the street with a Tommy gun and opens random fire across a street. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene is just like just one car at a time getting absolutely laced. <laughs> yeah, bullets. It's just like why? Why would you go out? Yeah. Um, it's just, it, you know, they, um, but before they've tried to paint, and this is why I find it so funny, is throughout the film, they try and paint Dick Tracy to be like the Boy Scout. You know what I mean? He's meant to be sort of like, he's, he's meant to be closer yeah. to Superman than he is to Batman. Uh, and they have him sort of like, you know, sort of uh, being like a mentor to the kid. And, um, you know, he's obviously guilty about the fact he can't give this test um, true heart a, a good life, can't settle down, all this other stuff. Like he shows this sort of remorse. And then the next thing, I'll have a montage of him beating the crap out of a witness. Yeah, I think there's a certain, there's definitely a difference in the way we view stuff like that now. Um, yeah. As, as to when, as how we did then. Because Batman is the same. There's a scene mm. in Batman where, like, 
he like kicks a guy down a hall where there's a bomb yeah. and then he like laughs at him yeah and dies and then he like doesn't he blow up an entire factory filled with criminals he does yeah he blows up he blows up uh, yeah the acme factory in the first one like <laughs> clearly filled with people and then the second yeah. one he, he attaches dynamite to a fat clown and pushes him down a hole um, and i think there's something to do with uh, I've I've read before in in times of like in like times of financial crisis apparently uh, Superman is more popular than Batman and I okay. think it's to do yeah. with the way we view criminals so in in fight like when it's financial crisis we start looking at the um, sort of the richer as oh they're actually you know causing us problems their richness is making yeah. us worse off whereas when we're all doing well we're like oh those low petty thugs need a beat down so we're not bothered so i think it's just it reflects that the 90s were a pretty financially sound time apparently yeah everyone was doing all right so we're happy with thugs just being beaten up yeah but then um, you know um man of steel comes out and then all of a sudden you know no innocent can ever die in anything yeah i mean it just changes completely because you know i mean how many superhero films since then have apologized yeah, for Man of Steel, essentially. But basically, yeah. I mean, what I find is, is in all of these films, um, you know, there are scenes of um, wanton destruction of public property, and <laughs> uh, you know, complete disregard for anybody else being around. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, so yeah, uh, it, I just it's just it is funny. I mean, it's a comic thing. This is. The, the one thing I would say is the one thing is I I do enjoy this film in the sense of like it is a comic book movie like it's yeah bon- it's bonkers, um, and if you're I mean, willing it's definitely to... of the bunch it, it was you know it's not the worst. No, like, I, I, yeah, I mean I really enjoyed sort of like if you you could kick back and enjoy this if you sort of like these films, but um, yeah. I can I can understand why as a if there was a I don't have a drive but I'm sure there are some like. Uh, if you were a Dick Tracy purist, or like you know you were a Dick Tracy fan yeah. or whatever, like I can imagine you watching this and being like, "What is this?" Um, <laughs> Whereas if you want to just see Al Pacino do an impression of himself, like some weird over-the-top impression of himself throughout a film, then this is this is you you know it's going to be perfect for you. Yeah, this is almost like him parodying himself before he became a parody. You know, this is sort of. Um, <laughs> Because you know, I think like, the impression of him is this. Yeah, it's this, and what's what's the other one? The uh, with him and Keanu Reeves, um, where he's the devil without giving away spoilers. Um, the de- um, the devil's advocate, is it? Devil's advocate, the the lawyer yeah. film. Like the the end of that film is literally him shouting at Keanu Reeves for twenty <laughs> minutes. And he's just like, <laughs> got things to do. Can we can we roll it up, Al? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting film, and you know, um, this because the thing is, like I say when when you when I watched this as a kid, I remember watching this in the sort of early nineties on VHS or whatever. Yeah, and like you say, you don't know as a kid. You're like, I don't know who Al Pacino is or James Caan or or uh, Dustin Hoffman or any of these people. I'm, I'm just watching this like crazy film, thinking, yeah, this yeah. is pretty good. I think you're no. loose. I remember having a, like I knew that Dick Tracy was an old thing. Yes. Uh, so probably like my dad told me or something, but then you know you don't know anything other than that. No, yeah, you just know it's a thing. I remember there may have been, you know, I, I may have seen it. And stuff, there? 
I was going to say, I remember sort of, there was definitely a cartoon at some point around this time and that sort of thing. Um, so you just enjoy that the madness of it. But like I say, when you're older and you look back on it and I'm sort of like, Dustin Hoffman plays a side character in this called Mumbles, who, li- <laughs> who literally mumbles. Um, and he's, to be fair, he's probably one of my favourite parts of this film. Um, yeah. He's, he's really like- good. Get some actual laughs, and his mumble does like actually sound like funny, yeah. and not just like oh that's just stupid, which it could so easily be with a character like that. Yeah, I mean you know they, they for some reason like he spends a lot of the scenes with his trousers off when he's being interrogated. Which <laughs> yeah. He just sort of try not to he try not to ask too many questions, but the, one of my favourite scenes in this film is he's been mumbling the answer. Um, and you know he he thinks because he's mumbled it like it can't be recorded, but to get him back, Dick Tracy just slows down the tape, and ba- <laughs> it, it basically becomes perfectly. Yeah, it just becomes Dustin Hoffman's voice, and I was like, "That's amazing!" <laughs> Modern technology. That's it. Yeah, you can't beat it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, it's it's an interesting film. It's an interesting start to this whole thing. It's so, like you say, it's it stands in Batman's shadow so much. Yeah, but in the weirdest way, and because Warren, <laughs> let's be fair, like Warren Beatty has directed other films, and you know some of them have had sort of critical recognition and stuff. So the studio clearly thought, right, this is the man for the job. Yeah. Like, you know, he knows what he's doing, and then well, he this. Like he owns he owns the rights to Dick Tracy. Mm. So I don't know if he just like bought them and was like, "I want to do this." It, yeah, it's, I think this. I think this may have been one of those fortuitous moments. Like he was clearly um, this is a passion project for him, isn't it? Um, yeah. And so to get to play Dick Tracy was clearly what he wanted. Um, and I honestly think this is probably like I don't know how probably only the third Warren Beatty film I've ever watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there's this, Bonnie and Clyde, and then I think, you know, uh, there is something else, but I can't even tell you what it is. So, you know, he was, I, but he was, an, I, 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 he was an icon at this point, but yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's not, it's, it doesn't, doesn't live up to uh, the no, legacy. It, it hasn't aged well, uh, is what I would say. I mean, it's probably worth a revisit if you're sort of, if you really want to look at, you know, the progression of comic book films and stuff. Yeah, um, and, and if you're interested in like pulp type, like the genre, yeah, it's an interesting middle ground between pulp comic booky nonsense. Yeah, it, yeah, it's throwaway, isn't it? It's, if you can find it yeah. on the stream, and if you can rent it for a couple of quid, it's probably worth seeing. But other, other than that, um, it you know it's not amazing. Um, uh, I read, I read a, a little fun fact that Bruce mm. Campbell uh, wanted to do a Dick Tracy series, and uh, he pitched it to Disney, and they were all pretty much, yeah, let's do this. But Warren Beatty said no because he's got the rights and he didn't want it made. Oh wow, that's wow. That's a, it. Clearly, was a compassion project. He's blocking it. <laughs> yeah, um, he's not happy like with anyone else touching it since. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how a Bruce Campbell-led um, Dick Tracy show would have, no, would have no, worked either, to be fair. Just as strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, but what a great segue you put it there, because uh, using Bruce Campbell and obviously uh, you know, Lead of the Evil Dead, we, we will jump forward then to November of 1990, um, and Sam Raimi's Dark Man. Um, so directed by Sam Raimi, starring Liam Neeson, uh, Francis McDormand, and Larry Drake. I'm not even going to name anybody else because that's pretty much the, the yeah. important people in it. Again, music by Danny Elfman. Yeah. Um, this again comes down to sort of like generic criminal bad person uh, looking for certain things uh, uh, and with, with his gang members attacks the scientist lab and Liam Neeson's Peyton uh, Westlake uh, is burnt and sort of d- disfigured beyond recognition but has this fake skin or fake flesh that can last up to a hundred minutes. Uh, but once, it, but once it's done, it burns away, which gives him the ability to look like other people, uh, both changing his height and body weight as well, <laughs> and, and voice often. And well. voice, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, you do see him practicing other voices, so yeah, he is just a master mimic. Yeah, um, I included this one because it's again, it's clearly like a holdover from Batman. Uh, and yeah. Darkman is very much in that sort of pulpy vein of the darker, you know, like, it, it, I mean, this is such a pulp film. Like, it's sort of, it's yeah, just, definitely. Can, I mean, even like, you can tell he's trying to make that, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Darkman has got that um, silhouette, hasn't it? He's got the, you know, like the shadow, he's got the, you know, the big loose hat and the sort yeah. of the draping overcoat. What I will say is, I know the poster for this. Um, better than the film. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just the poster <laughs> for this is better than the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it promises it promises things that clearly aren't in the film. Um, but I remember, and I've still got comics from from the sort of well, clearly from like nineteen ninety and stuff, and nineteen ninety one when it came out on video. This was plastered over the back of comics, um, like loads of Dark Horse um, and. DC comics uh, or yeah. Vertigo boxy have the Darkman poster on the back of them, um, <laughs> and I just remember seeing this poster everywhere. But more than that, the video shop I sort of used to frequent when I was a kid had this as a standee, like as a big cardboard cutout. So they really pushed it then. Oh yeah, like for some reason I don't know what this one this this sort of independent video shop. Maybe you got it cheap or something, but this independent video shop was just like I'm big into Darkman and I'm going to really push <laughs> it. Like. They were probably given it because I know when when we had the comic book shop, all mm. the stuff like that, we were just sent like you got sent it with with your orders and stuff. Yeah. So it might have been that they were like, "This is out now." You know, if you get the video in, we'll give you a standee. Yeah, I mean, this feels like you know where where Dick Tracy was an adventure, like you know, it's Dick Tracy yeah. on an adventure. This is an origin film, and it clearly sort of the way it set up throughout is. This was clearly supposed to be a franchise or a series. Yes, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's weird because it's like, I don't, like there's so many things in this where you kind of expect it to go one way, and they just keep abandoning <laughs> parts of their plot. Yeah, it just feels like they kept someone like kept wanting to make a different film in there or something. Well, I think this, when I watched this film back this time, I, what you're saying there was exactly what I thought. I was like, but I think the tug is between Sam Raimi and the studio. Yes, yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah, this is clearly like Sam Raimi is going to make his bonkers 
um, <laughs> his bonkers sort of pulp superhero film, and the studio said, "But we want sequels, so we you know want, we want Batman." Yeah, we want people to come and see this. Um, and so he does sort of like some bits where you go, well, that's clearly a studio. Yeah, the whole thing of him sort of trying to get, get back with Francis McDermott and stuff, you can yeah. see that he's like, okay, that's the, the love interest and all that kind of stuff. And every time he does that, you can almost feel sort of like um, Raimi sort of like pushing against it. Um, yeah. And then when he's let off his leash, he's sort of like, right, I'm going to do something absolutely mental now. <laughs> yeah, and it's the. I think the biggest thing when I was watching it, and I was just like, I don't know why they've added that, and it's like almost the perfect setup for the character, and done absolutely nothing with it. Is yeah. that this skin he wears, this whatever it is, it only melts in the light. There's a big thing about that at the start. Yeah, which I was like, oh, so that's why he's called Darkman because when he wear, he can basically do what he wants at night. So he only goes out in the dark. That would make sense. Yeah, but then the whole they, film they never the touch on it again. Yeah, well, more than that, the whole film is in shot in the daylight. Yeah. <laughs> it, the, the, it, the film starts in that sort of dark manner. You know, it, it does have some scenes of, yeah. um, and you know, when he sort of um, um, he is blown up. I mean, the, what I would say is that so the, there's a section in this film which I can't, I kind of enjoy. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, is it starts quite well, and then when he's attacked at the at the science lab and all this other stuff, like it's it's really sort of silly and stuff. And you know the t- from the tone of the film, you know it's not supposed to be taken seriously. Like this is yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, but then when he's in hospital for some unknown reason, like I, I've never seen this be a part of a burns oh, victim's <laughs> um, oh, recovery. He's on some sort of like ro- rotating wheel thing. Like a Vitruvian man. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, is that to help blood flow? Like they never, they never address it at no point. No, and, say. and we and all they do is thing. like, oh, he can't feel anything, so let's stab him a load of times. Like, <laughs> that was the thing I thought was hilarious. She's like, the way we've dealt with this because there's no way of preventing the pain. It's basically we've severed the nerves. Look, he doesn't feel pain, and then shoves a scalpel in him. And I was just like, yeah, but like really wangles it in there as well. Yeah. Like, all I can think is like, he may not feel it, but you literally just stabbed him. Like he's still going to bleed. <laughs> like, um, oh my life. It was hilarious. So that, that bit, I was like, okay, now I know what film I'm in. Um, yeah. But, but when he escapes from the hospital um, and sort of, you know, he falls out into the street it's raining and it's all like the alley is like literally a foot deep in water and he's got his raincoat on yeah. top of my that looks kind of, yeah. um but that that's all part of the film where he sort of like stalks across the yeah, street yeah. and he's all disheveled that part looks kind of cool and i was like all right this is it the film's going to be all dark and it's going to be at night and all this other stuff yeah and as you say it, it after that it's sort of it's all in the daytime <laughs> it's so bizarre yeah, they never weird. really, they never really, he never settles into it. That's another problem with it. He, he's always, he's, he's always angry about it, which is part of his, you know, that's what makes him super strong, is super yeah. rage. Or, but he never, you, you never get the chance to be like, right, he, he is Darkman now. Well, not until the very end of the film. Like it's literally the last thing. Yeah. That, you know, I can't be with you. I've got to leave. I am Darkman. Um, but yeah, like you say. He never feels like he's comfortably going. Okay, that's the life I've got to lead. Because yeah. um, um, and the way that what thing is so he's pronounced dead because they just assume he's dead because they can't identify him because he's so disfigured apparently. 
Um, so they, they have so they have a funeral for him, um, <laughs> and then but then he turns up to see uh, his. You know, she's called Julie Hastings in the film, Frances McDermott. But at no point is he like you know subtle or anything about it. He literally just wanders right. up. And he's like, I'm back. You know, hello. <laughs> I did, I'm really sorry it's taking me so long to get back to you. Uh, shit's happened. Um, and she sort of seems to come to terms with it really quick. And I'll be like, I've been grieving uh-huh. about your death for days. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, yeah, she's even like got a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Who is the guy that, like some like well dodgy guy that's been doing dodgy deals with the mafia, which she knows about. Yeah, it's yeah, it's clear that like she's yeah she's moving on quickly. Um, and then because the, the, the thing is, then because that's all in the daylight. You know, it's not even it's not even raining or anything. So you know, the typical yeah. they do, so they do keep away from some of the typical tropes, maybe. And maybe that was the point, but it just doesn't work because they then go on a date. They then go on a date, and um, <laughs> it, it starts like getting all weird, doesn't it? Yeah, um, but I, I, that's where I start to sort of. I'm watching my watch. I'm literally looking at my watch, going like, right, the yeah. date's gone a bit much. Um. But it does have the moment where he goes, like you said, he gets his super rage when he uh, is he shooting or is he throwing a ball at us, like um, a thing? I can't yeah, remember. He's, he's, yeah, he's throwing a ball at some cannons yeah. and he knocks them over, but they won't give him the prize. You know, it hits them and they won't fall over, isn't it? So he's been cheated. Yeah. So he goes into like a mad rage and it's sort of like almost like sped up, and you get. Um, you know, take, <laughs> yeah, t- taken level Liam Neeson attacking a bloke <laughs> in like one point five speed. Yeah, um, and they have all these sort of like weird effects to show how much rage he's got. Like they zoom into his eye and all these other bits and pieces. Um, yeah, we see like fire in the background, and yeah, it looks like something you'd see now on a on a comedy show. Exactly, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is sort of sitcom level. Sort of <laughs> a way of doing it. I mean, it's, it's clear, sort of, you know, Sam Raimi doing what he does best. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, sort of, like you say, it, then his skin starts to bubble and he has to run away and all sort of stuff. And it's all, it, 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 no, but as you say, like, at no point does it ever settle into its groove. This film sort no. of doesn't never really settles into its groove. Like, you know, I'm never even entirely sure it's supposed to be a revenge film because he then takes on. Uh, Larry Drake is Durant, like the the criminal leader, yeah. <laughs> um, whose like face is actually made of rubber in real life. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> the least, like, the least, yeah, the least emotive man in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, like the plot for this, like this whole revenge piece, um, there's like a there's like a um, there's a there's a countdown, there's a clock. Because and you think it's going to lead to something like quite spectacular, but the whole point is that he took a photo. He got a photo of himself and stuff, um, but it was damaged. So they, they tried to get like a three D rendering of his head, doesn't he? So he can do this flesh, yeah. but it's going to take so many hours, which I think was about twenty four days. You know, okay, so he's got a month to put all his plans in place and do all this other stuff. And basically, he steals the money to sort of fund his. Um, science and all this other stuff. You think, fine, okay, that makes total sense. But then they say none of this really goes anywhere. It just sort no. of ha- it just sort of happens. It's just uh, yeah, but that's like with everything in the film, like every yeah. scene, it's just something that happens. Yeah, until the end, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. 
it's really hard to just stay not stay focused but stay interested yeah in, yeah in the entire piece well i think they sort of know that because again because i'm trying to sort of think like you know how do we describe this film what do we talk about for this film because you know you should be you know, could we analyze this is there anything to talk about there is nothing to this film no and like and again like i think there's a couple of them are universal films aren't they yeah yeah um, and, and I do feel like they're just trying to find their Batman. Yeah. And Universal have kind of never really had their, you know, franchise since, you know, the monster movies. And they, they're like, they keep trying to get a superhero. Mm. I think they were like, we've got the Hulk now. And then they, you know, that didn't work out. They've got this. They tried to do their monster movies as a universe. Didn't work out. And this feels yeah. like that again. Is you is uh is the Fast and Furious Universal? That's Warner Brothers, I think. Is it Warner Brothers? Yeah. So yeah, so Universal never really had that sort of franchise. Um... No, like, I think they had early franchise. Like they had the first, like the monster movies, which was obviously, you know, the first real movie franchise where they sort of crossed over. So you yeah. got Frankenstein and Frank- yeah. Killer or whatever the werewolves and the first Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm just, I'm literally having a look now to because uh, you you I'm interested uh, for Universal. I've just I've just typed into Google Universal franchises and my God, you are you are so right. I mean, this is given to the A to Z, A to Z of of everything they've ever done. Yeah, um, and, and they've done loads of amazing standalone movies. Yeah. Oh no, Fast and Furious is Universal. Oh, is it? Oh, apologies then. But the uh, but that's 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 about it. Um, yeah. Well, I bet they were glad. <laughs> yeah, they got some interesting stuff. Yeah. So, because um, this film sort of like leads to again, like this guy's he's called Dark Man, and it's clearly like they've gone. That's a cool name. Yeah. And, and worked from that premise and worked backwards. You've got this whole thing about the flesh, and he does use it a couple of times. Like he does it to look like himself, and then he does it to look like a couple of the gangsters, the, the so gangsters, he can yeah. so he can steal their money. Um, which again, sort of like you know, that's quite cool because uh, he looks like Durant at one point. And he looks like this other gangster. But as you say, it's sort of so. Go on. It's it's pretty hilarious when the two Durants meet. That yeah. does crap me. That, yeah, I think it was supposed to, but that, that whole scene, like, yeah, and they're in that flipping uh, whirly door. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the point. Like, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a comedy. No, but that again, that is like classic Sam Raimi, isn't it? Yeah, like like, it... like Evil Dead One. Yeah, is this? Sometimes it's horrible. Sometimes it's. I think it's funny. I don't know. No, it's it. Like there are moments in this that you say that you think I, I, you do think to yourself, like, is this supposed? To, am I supposed to laugh? I'm laughing. I, does Sam Raimi want me to? I don't yeah. know. Is it? Is it? What? What's the point? Um, yeah, because there are moments that are quite fun in that point, but the ending when they sort of all come to get him and they go to his sort of uh, he set himself up in a factory, hasn't he? As a, as a sort of um, yeah, it's like his. his uh, Hideaway, his man. dark, yeah, his dark cave. <laughs> uh, but he, when they attack, like it goes, it, that's when it goes all out. Like they've clearly gone, like right, we've got an awful lot of budget left. Could we borrow a helicopter 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we can get you a helicopter. Great. We want to use a helicopter. Um, <laughs> that, that entire helicopter scene is just it's pretty hilarious how he how he destroys it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so it starts. Imagine <laughs> no, because it, it it starts with um, it's it starts with the fact they attack, and he's sort of like you know he's got his super rage, so he's sort of taking people on left and right. And he uses the masks. I mean, there, there are a couple of bits towards the end where you think that's quite clever. So there's one point where it's um, he uses a mask and someone comes over, they get shot, and then they pull off one mask and it's like it looks like um, uh, Liam Neeson underneath, and then they pull it off and it's you know there's like he's basically got two masks on him and this sort of <laughs> stuff. So there's a couple of bits like that where I'm like, that's quite you know that's quite good fun, and you know the. Yeah. Fight, the you know, and then him running away, and then you get Durant with like a massive machine gun, um, opening fire across the top of this this sort of yeah. warehouse thing in downtown Los Angeles, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, you know, you know, all right, we've got troubles with the police at the moment, but clearly, like, no one was paying attention to what the hell was going no on. At this. No, no one cared at all. Whatever. Um, this is and, Durant's just untouchable at this. Yeah. Point. Um, and then, and then you basically, then you get sort of something which may or may not have inspired the Matrix, but he he gets stuck on a hook, and they fly him around the city for a little bit. <laughs> it's yeah, and and just it's where like he hooks it onto a truck, doesn't he? Yeah, and this is like when that, and then it goes under a bridge. But when that helicopter hits the bridge, that is like pure laugh out loud comedy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> but it's like you, up until this point, you, you know, there's there's obviously there's a this isn't the finale finale. There's more, but you clearly think like, oh, Durant's been the the main villain. Like he's surely supposed to be the real baddie. And it, but the way they kill him, you're a bit like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Yeah, yeah. So credits then, I assume. Um, yeah, but no, you've got flipping Captain Beams a lot climbing yeah. his. Rusty, rusty rails on top of a skyscraper. Yeah, this this bit is is luckily it's dark, you know, so at, le- at least yeah, it's at night. Nice scene in the movie. Yeah, um, and, and he's, yeah, so it's you find out that basically the the, the guy that sort of Francis McDermott's been seeing or whatever has been involved with is basically a scumbag, um, and he's been dealing with the, the sort of like the the criminals and all sort of stuff. And it's to do with this idea of property, isn't it? It basically comes down to I'm building all these and you've got to basically bribe people to make it happen. Yeah. That seems to be about it. Um, and so, again, like you're saying, like I'm not sure what, what you're trying to do with this film. Like, you've had gangsters. Now you've got like dodgy businessmen and stuff. Like It's it's all a little bit all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get basically a fight on girders, which lasts, again, a bit longer than it really should do. Yeah, there's just a lot of whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, you're falling <laughs> off, and you're just kind of like, I just want this to finish. Yeah, because it's not the ending of Batman. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. But even that shot, like they've got the, it's it's, and this is where I sort of I would ding Raimi for this. Um, if you're going to try and prove that they're up high on a building, or at least on girders on a construction site. You would do it by zooming out and showing how high up they are. Yeah, <laughs> but at no point does it ever go past like a mid shot where you're like, "Oh yeah, we're on girders." Just so you know, 
but we're not going to yeah. show you much more. We're clearly no more than three feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble in it. And you, you, I think by this point though, you just kind of don't care. Yeah, that's the trouble with it. Isn't it? You're just like, oh, okay, whatever. No, yeah. I mean, the the ending. You know, she. He's obviously presented. He's, he, he, you know, uh, Francis McDermott sees his real face, and she's like, "We can work with it. All you've got to do is wear a mask." Which I think, uh, I think, I think it's supposed <laughs> to show. Messages. Yeah, I think it's supposed to show she's accepting. But I'm thinking, like, you really are a bitch. You're like, yeah. oh, I, I can't live with well, you being that hideous. <laughs> I don't know them teeth. He's got yeah. like lip teeth that just are so upsetting to look at. Well, yeah, and that's one of those things I find hilarious because it's it's one of those things in films that, you know, when you talk, you form words by moving your lips. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have lips, you struggle to talk. But so there are times when they're they're trying to show those teeth. It's, it's, I mean, the, the makeup's pretty. I will be admit the makeup's pretty good in this for the dark man. Yeah, it, looks it was good. basically just the teeth. Yeah. I just um, couldn't. They look so unconvincing. Yeah, they sort of chatter up and down, don't they? And you're sort of like, mm, it doesn't kind of work. It's like, you didn't need to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it just sort of like, at the end, he sort of says, well, I can't be with you. Uh, you know, basically move on. I'm sorry I pulled you into this, basically. Move on. Uh, I am Darkman. And then becomes Bruce Campbell in, in, the, uh, Campbell. in the crowd. And then goes on uh, to get a successful detective's career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that that's that's sort of I mean the thing is it'd been a Raimi film, you, you know, that's the sort of like um the required Bruce Campbell um, Yeah. And it's all it's, it's one of those things where you're like you're kinda of waiting for it. I don't know if maybe like maybe at the time it wasn't as jarring a thing, but when at the end you're kinda of like, Oh look, there he is and then it yeah. ends. It well, it's one of the, that final moment. Uh, yeah. It's funny because I suppose I don't think it would have paid off in that way in uh, no, 1990 because he would yeah. no, no one would have known who he was um but i also obviously the the, the yellow i can't remember the, what the, it's like a, i don't know if it's a ford or whatever but the typical car the, the evil dead car you know the yellow car yeah. also appears in the film at one point when dark man is sort of like dipped onto the freeway uh, on his right. hook and he, and he bounces off the car and you're sort of like oh there's the car that's that's the <laughs> sort of the, the sam raimi car yeah um so yeah it's it's funny because watching this, I would have been like, "Don't let Sam Raimi near superhero films; they're terrible." I know, but it must be how he got the flipping Spider-Man job. That's all I can think of. Like, did someone not see be, this and be like, be "Yeah, I don't know," because someone at someone at Sony has obviously gone. I've seen this great film. I've, I want to get this director <laughs> in. I tell you what, he, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to superhero films. <laughs> he made one of his own. Yeah, that's it. He made one up. This um, guy wore masks, and you know the makeup was so good it looked like his real face. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how he managed it. So well done to Sam Raimi for going on to yeah. make Spider Man one and two, uh, and we won't talk about three. <laughs> but uh, 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 it's not as bad as people say. But yeah, I mean, he went on yeah. to make those films pretty well. But um, if if you if you read um, if Chins Could Kill. Uh, of Chins Could Talk, sorry, the, the Bruce Campbell um, biography. Um, he he talks about this. Uh, really? In this film. Yeah. So he, he obviously knew that he was going to be in the film. Um, yeah. They said, you know, because you know, it's, it's just, 
uh, Sam and Raimi had obviously contacted him and said, like, yeah, yeah, you come on down. I've got a part for you. It's just, if chins could kill, um, I've got a part for you. Just come on down. You know, it would be like 10 minutes, 10 minutes work. Um, but what he would do is apparently sort of uh, Bruce Campbell would go down on set with some of the other guys that he worked on, um, like the Evil Dead series with, because they were they were lobbying at this point they were lobbying to get cash to make um, Army of Darkness, right? <clears throat> so they were sort of working on that, and apparently, sort of uh, in the in that book, he, Bruce Campbell does sort of say it was a bit mental. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sam Raimi, because he was sort of apparently sort of had he had disputes with the studios and stuff over a few other things, but he was trying to keep them sweet because he was looking to see if he could still get um, the studio to let him make yeah. Army of Darkness. Um, so apparently, there are, there are scenes that, that aren't seen in the film where he was just going like, you know, just do what you want, basically. You ad lib, go crazy, or whatever. So <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff apparently that sort of never made it, even to the special features. Um, yeah, which I think I'd so like he to kind of like sacrificed the film almost uh, to get Army of Darkness in a way. A little bit, apparently. Yeah, apparently that may have been the case. Because um, I love Army of Darkness, I think it's, that's a great film. Um, and it, it, it's it's funny that, that that comes out in ninety one, I think, um, right. and so it's sort of like it was made shortly after this, and that is a much more coherent film. So it is almost like a case of like, look, I've made this film, you've paid me, can I move on and do? Well, that's, my I thing? mean, he's not he's not a bad director, is he? No, he's not made, at all. He's made good films, so yeah, this is a bit of a flip as well. He's made bad films as well, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, we should say is Dick Tracy didn't get a sequel. Sam uh, Darkman <laughs> got yeah. two of them, um, which is beyond bizarre. Yeah. Well, I I almost when when sort of uh, looking to sort of watch those the these films for this recording, I was like, oh, should should I? Yeah, you, know, you can get the, there's a there's a triple box set. You can get all three of the films. <laughs> I was like, it's like, it's like fifteen quid. And I was like, should I get it? Do I really want to see those films? And I was like, do you know I don't. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, yeah. I, you'd have been gutted after you watched the first one. And yeah, whole... I think they're yeah, called. Dark, I think it's Dark Man Two, uh, the Return of Durant, and Die uh, Dark, Dark Man Three, Die Dark Man Die. <laughs> oh man, that's like that is genuinely something from a flipping comedy. Yeah, <laughs> they're the kind that that's the kind of poster you'd have at the in the back of you know in the background of a sort of like a silly of a comedy film, wouldn't it? Yeah, like it, like the Simpsons would have it in their video shop. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what it like. So the fact there is a film called uh, Darkman Three Die Darkman Die, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that that shouldn't, but that should not exist in our reality. That does that, that should belong in somewhere else. That is fiction only. Thank you. Yeah, maybe if you watch it, it just sort of like someone pops up and like, there's not actually a film. We just wanted to use the title. <laughs> so, because no one's watched it, so no one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one knows. Yeah, because no one's ever looked at it. Um, so that's Darkman, which I think we can both sort of agree is probably not worth revisiting. Um, no, th- this was like one of, one of the one of the lowest at the pile for me. I was very much like yeah. it was the last one I watched, and I was like. I'm glad that this is over now. I can't do any more. Yeah, I was really disappointed because, again, because I remember the poster being so cool. 
And I was thinking, yeah. like, you know, oh, this is a Sam Raimi film. I'm sure this is going to be sort of like some weird indie kind of dark horror. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like a, a hidden gem type film. Yeah, I thought, like, am I going to come out of this lauding this and say now people should go check it out and it's a lost gem? It's not. <laughs> no, not at all. No, it's been lost in history and probably should stay there. <laughs> Um, a year later, though, Disney jump into the fray. Uh, and as we sort of mentioned before, this is obviously based on a graphic novel uh, written by D- uh, Dave Stevens. And that's The Rocketeer, released in August 1991, directed by Joe Johnston, who went on to direct the first uh, Captain America film. Uh, yeah, and, and this America is how he got the job, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So Joe Johnson is actually is a is a good friend of Steve Spielberg and also has done other stuff with Disney, obviously, between this and and, uh, Captain America. But it's funny because I I I really like I'm I'm a bit of a Marvel shill, to be fair. I I quite like most of the Marvel films, but I really enjoy First Avenger. I think it's, you know, people sort of like um, poke fun at it. I think it kind of suffers from the, the effects aren't particularly dated, like yes. which is you, you forget how old they are, I suppose now. But yeah, the, and it kind of rushes bits. But overall, you know, there's definitely worse, worse Marvel films out there. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Um, but you can sort of see. Go back and watch the Rocketeer, and you can see so much of why <laughs> he got that job. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, basically, the, the story is uh, Cliff Secord is a stunt plane um, professional. He does it as part of the, sort of the flying circus kind of deal. Um, and uh, one day, his hangar is sort of like uh, two guys being chased by the police, run into his hangar and hide a jetpack, a secret military jetpack in the sort of part of his plane. <clears throat> They're taken in. It turns out they are German spies. But then to make money, uh, Cliff uses the jetpack. Uh, to, in the circus, ends up saving somebody's life, uh, and then basically goes on to become uh, sort of like the the jetpack wearing superhero that is the Rocketeer uh, and takes on Nazis. So this has got this sort of again, yeah, this has got almost a direct lineage to uh, Indiana Jones and Captain yeah, and America and all that. That's what because I know Disney wanted their own Indiana Jones, didn't they? Yes. That, that was why they sort of pushed this. So that what's good about it, straight off the bat, is that it doesn't feel like Batman. No, it's like the opposite tone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you'd want a superhero, a Superman film like this. Maybe. It's funny or, you say that because this felt like um, that Superman the movie, like you know the the, the start of Superman the movie where he's on the farm, yeah. and kid. like it, it has that sort of like you know. Um, down home, sort of more, more sort of wholesome feel to it, which is clearly yeah. Disney, like a like a cornflakes advert, like an old Kellogg's advert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good. I mean, the, the thing is, I'm saying this is like you know the, the the cast in this film as well is, is I mean, you got Billy Campbell as Cliff Seacord, who's a bit of a um, a no name. I don't really think he did much more. This was his first. Uh, this was his first role, I think. That oh, really? Role. But yeah, and he, apparently when he had auditioned for it, he basically read the book before yeah. and then just went to the barbers and said, cut my hair like this, yeah. and then turned up looking as much like him as he could. He does a good job. I mean, he looks the part. And, I, I yeah. you know, he's got that sort of, you know, he's got that sort of cheeky but chiselled sort of look. Um, yeah. And I, I think he's quite good in this. I, I enjoy him. Yeah, um, yeah. 
But the other ones like Jennifer Connolly um, is Jenny. Yeah. For, should have been Betty Page, and she's she's very good in it. Um, yeah. To me, though, the two stands out is Alan Arkin as PV, um, yeah. like his, his best man engineer, and Timothy Dalton as Neville Sinclair, <laughs> playing the like. The thing this brings to mind is firstly because I actually really like Timothy Dalton's Bond, so he's playing like the anti-Bond. Yeah. But all, all, watching this, all I could think about was Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Like this is like the the character before Hot Fuzz, like what yeah. he did with like, where he got it. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's just and again like the guy you know he's got sort of like this has got uh, atypical sort of thirties uh, gangsters in it. It's got. Um, uh, a, a, a heavy-handed thug, um, yeah. and I forget the guy's name. Like, this that that bit is a really bizarre. Like this guy is like a character from Dick Tracy. Like he's got the makeup. Yeah. Do you know what Which, he is? Do you know who he is? He's what in real life or the character? No, where he came from, where that character came from. Yeah, he's in one of the stories, isn't he? He's in the. He's like from the circus that. Yeah. More than that, though. So more than that, though, he is based on a real person, right? Um, And I cannot remember the for the life of me. I cannot remember, but this is a there is an award named after him, um, and I can't remember what it's bloody called. I'd have to find out at some point. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So the this this, there is an award based on this guy. So he was an actor in the thirties and forties that had this sort okay. of like the disfigurement. He was, he was you know gigantism, like the guy who played Jaws yeah. in the Bond films, a bit like that. Um, and so they had this award for, for him and he's become a bit of a no thing. And he plays all these like heavies in gangster films and stuff. So uh, yeah, so that's why Dave Stevens put him in the book and obviously he then translated into right, the film. Okay, so, yeah. um, that's why he's there as a bit of a sort of a hangover of that. But he does. Well, what's interesting as well, like, because uh, they, you can tell that they've actually like thought this film through. Um, yes. Because Timothy Dalton's character is based on Errol Flynn, isn't it? Yes. And he was. There was also rumours that he was a Nazi spy. There is. It was. Yeah, it was a Nazi sympathizer allegedly. Uh, yeah. That so that's where the he based his character because his character's not in the books, is it? Um, there's a sort of a similar character who's not, it's not called Neville Sinclair. There's a sort of a, towards the end, there's a, a, a similar character that sort of, they've clearly gone, that character becomes a lot more emphasised for the film. But yeah, they've definitely yeah. thought about it. Yeah, and it just feels a bit more, uh, a straight away, like this film, I actually quite enjoyed, actually. I, I love this film. Hey, I've yeah. just found the guy's name. Here we go. So the original actor, if you ever want to find out, um, look for Rondo Hatton. That's the guy's name, Rondo Hatton, right. um, and he so he was um, an actor. I'm going to do a bit of work. Um, am I right? Rondo Hatton Awards. Uh, yeah, so the Rondo Hatton uh, Classic Horror Award, basically. Uh, but you can see images of him uh, uh, when you look at that. Um, but yeah, so he was an actor. So uh, from from the from the era. Um, <clears throat> And did all these sort of like pulpy horror films and gangster films, but yeah, I agree. I think this film's a lot, a lot better thought through. Um, yeah. I think it, I mean this. The one thing I would say about all of these films compared to modern comic book films is they're all about they're all less than a hundred minutes. <laughs> yeah, like they, <laughs> which they, is something that you know it's not so bad when you're watching them. No, now, kind of made. 
yeah, I was quite glad that Darkman was less than less about ninety yeah. minutes. Um, but the, the, it, it moves at a hell of a clip. I mean, you know, they don't. This film never sort of rests. Um, no, the, the Rocketeer, and um, it, it's a bit like uh, for me, Disney hit a bit of a um, a peak around this period. I mean, you, you know, you get in sort of the animation is back on track. You know, 90, early nineties. Yeah. You've had the the um, the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast was nineteen ninety. They're about to, I think, ninety one is Aladdin. They're about to release um, the Lion King. So you know, they're really sort of working on all cylinders. So ninety one, you've got the Rocketeer. You're about to get yeah. um, the Three Musketeers with Keith Sutherland. You know, they really are working a peak performance at this point. Yeah, well, they had like I think it was in the eighties, like maybe the late eighties. They had two guys take over. I cannot remember their names for the life of me. Um, but it was after a particularly low point. Um, and these guys basically brought it back, like, from the brink mm. and started making just loads. So, the you know, the parks became popular again. The animations became popular again. Their films were better. Um, and it was just, like, success after success. Yeah. It um, shows. I mean, you know, yeah. the, 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 there's just this thing of, like, this is a quality product. Yeah, you know, it feels well together, and it's it, it's got that to- <clears throat> tone of this is a sort of a family adventure film, you know, like this isn't Dick Tracy where I'm going to feel a little bit uncomfortable if Madonna starts yeah. getting her boobs out or something. <laughs> this film's a, it's a, it's, even considering that you know uh, Jennifer Connelly's supposed to be Betty Page, who was obviously a glamour model and stuff. It sort of it touches on that briefly, but. Yeah, there's like really? one shot where they just pan the camera down and just stare at her boobs strangely. Yeah, and then but other than that, you're kind of pretty much safe. Yeah, and it's you know, I mean, it's got good, it's got a good message in it. It's got, it's got a relatively, you know, that if it's got good humor, um, yeah. it's it's a, it's a well made film. I mean, <clears throat> um, you know, it's there's a, the scenes just spring into my brain when I think about it. Like you know, when he first, that when he he saves um, the old guy in the plane at the you know at the fair and stuff. And yeah. The first time you see the rocketeer and stuff. I mean, like you said, the, the special effects probably don't stand up as well as they could do. Um, no, but it's not as jarring as some of the other films. Um, yeah. At the same time, and I think like. You know, I suppose it's similar to uh, Superman, isn't it? The old Superman films mm. probably didn't stand up as well, though. To be honest, I will say that. Um, but I know they they had certain things that they worked on for this. So when they're in the Zeppelin at the end, yeah, Disney Disney made like their own contraption that was basically the reverse of a steady cam, called a, a shaky cam, right? So that they didn't have to have anything moving and stuff. So like. They created that for it, but then apparently they had to take the effect off because made people feel work. sick. <laughs> people feel so sick. Yes, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that'd be interesting to see it on the on the big screen and see that work differently. Yeah, because um, yeah, it does. It, it's like I say, I, I um, you know, I think this film looks great. Yeah. Um, there are scenes in this that are really the good thing of this film is that say because he's supposed to be Errol Flynn. Uh, the the Neville C- uh, was it the Neville Sinclair character? Yeah. When they get they get him involved, like the sets become so sort of elaborate at times. Um, you know, because you've basically had up until now it's been a bit of a cowpoke, hasn't it? You've had like a, a hangar and a field and a bit of a yeah. bar or a bit of a cafe. So like, oh, it's not it's not 
a huge shell out. But then they have to build a set, like a movie set for him to be on like a 30s, um, you know, uh, swashbuckling film. And then you get yeah. sort of a, a nightclub scene in his apartment. It's got like a, a hidden door and stuff. And so, yeah, no, not CG. It's all there. Compare the nightclub in this to, uh, you know, Pacino's yeah. friendly joint. Yeah. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable, really. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, you know, um, th- that's where this film has scope, and I think sort of it, it pays off. Um, I think you find this with Disney. They've got quite a few, like, big-budget films that have flopped mm. for whatever reason. But when you actually watch them, it's like, actually, this is half-decent. Like, I'm surprised, I'm surprised yeah. that people didn't watch it. Well, I, I find that with sort of like the Disney live action films. Forget these, forget these animation remakes. You know, sort of where they're remaking yeah. animated films. Forget, forget all that because that sort of comes with sort of like built-in cash appeal. Yeah. But I, I feel, you know, I think, and hopefully they'll get re- they'll they'll get refound on like Disney Plus and stuff. But yeah, um, and I'm not talking about the sort of the '60s ones, or, you know. But even some of them, like the Herbie films. Um, Stuff like that, but these ones from the nineties, like you say, this uh, I love the the Three Musketeers with yeah, um, was it like Keith Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, Oliver Platt, Chris it's O'Donnell, Jeremy Irons, isn't it? Ge- as well. Ger- no, no, that's the that's the it's man, the Iron Mask. Uh, oh, but you got right. t- Tim, <laughs> you get, you get, she's like a sequel to it. But you get Tim yeah. Curry as um, you know Richelieu. It's just wonderful that film. Um, yeah, but like no one ever talks about them. Um, no, well, it's like they've got newer ones as well. Like uh, John Carter was a massive flop. Um, the The Lone Ranger. Yeah, I love, um, but and I I love both of those films. Yeah, and they're like, they are like like it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, those films like make fun of them. But then you watch them and you're like, actually, this is good. I don't yeah. understand why it didn't do well. The Lone Ranger is slightly different. I mean, casting Johnny Depp as a Native American Indian was probably a bit of a misstep. Yeah, and it was too much like, oh, we need another Pirates. Yeah, there is there is that part of it. But I, I again, I actually, I think um, we're getting off on a different whole different tangent. But it's a similar thing like those pulp adventure films. But both John Carter and Lone Ranger are, are both worth seeing. I mean, they're a bit longer. They're, they're both from over two hours and stuff. But um, yeah, I recommend both of those. Um, but they fit into this thing with with this sort of uh, with the Rocketeer. Yeah, um, definitely. And like the Rocketeer is from that same wheel because this was a flop as well, wasn't it? Mm. And yeah, it's such a it's such a shame because I think it's a really good film. It really is. I mean, you know, when you find out that uh, I'm going to spoil the crap out of it. When you find out that Neville Sinclair <laughs> is sort of uh, is is a Nazi, and it's sort of, I mean, what's the film's like? But he was ninety, so it's. It's it's almost thirty years old now, so you know if you haven't seen it, tough. Um, <laughs> but when it's revealed that he's a, he's a Nazi, there's this whole thing of like he's been paying off gangsters, hasn't he, to do his deal, uh, to yeah. do his dirty work for him. And then when it's revealed he's a Nazi, and the gang is like, kill them. He's like, I might be a, I might be a criminal, but I'm still an American, and I'm going to yeah. deck. And this is the gangsters sort of side with the rocketeer. It's like, it's um. It's, yeah. it's one of them things that's like so stupid, but at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, one of the things I do find hilarious is because the end is always in this film, ends in a bit of a shootout and a punch em up. Um, and it, it's on a Zeppelin, which is great. I mean, I always love a, a Zeppelin in a film. Uh, there's not enough yeah. Zeppelins in modern films. Um, but what one thing where it's sort of, you know, 
there's been silly moments in this film, but it's all been within the sort of the realms of what I would say would be acceptable within this world. Like you've sort of set it set out its yeah, rules, yeah. and I'm like, I'm accepting that. That's fine. I'm going to accept all the rules of this film. And then at the end, the one thing I don't accept and I really struggle with is when Sinclair does reveal himself to be a Nazi, all of a sudden, Nazi stormtroopers start bursting out the trees. Why did he need, like, why did he need the mafia on his side? Right. <laughs> That's what I kept thinking. I was like, why did he hire these people? He's got an army. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you just have to kind of take it as maybe they've just arrived on the blimp. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of moments like that that you're a bit like what? But apart from that, like um, this, this film's great. I mean, it has um, um, an actor I recognise, but I can never remember his name, who has appeared in things like Everything from like, Lost to a whole bunch of other things, playing Howard. Oh yeah, yeah. John Locke in Lost. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's it's one of those films where throughout it, you know, because they're all a lot younger, but you go, oh, I know him. Oh, I know that person yeah. too. Um, it's full of that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, it sort of it, it has this thing of sort of because Howard Hughes built the, uh, the the jetpack or designed the jetpack, and he sort of says you know he lets him have it sort of thing, um, and yeah, so the end on this sort of like the Zeppelin stuff is is really good though. You know, they fight on yeah. top of the Zeppelin, they fight in the cabin, they do this, they do that. You've got you know you've got your massive lunk fighting him on top as well. Yeah, it never feels like uh, oh bloody hell, just flipping. Who's the villain here as well? It's all it always it. It's like the opposite of the ending for Darkman, basically. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, and again, like you know, this film provides scope. I mean, there's a scene of. I mean, you get to see him fly as well, which is really cool. Like you know, the again, the effects aren't always great, but I lo- I'm I'm with it because it, again, they've built the world, they've built the rules, and I'm buying yeah. into it, so I'm quite comfortable with it all. Um, and there's a great shot. Like it's actually the shot from the the front cover of uh, the original graphic novel. Yes, yeah. And he lands on the top of that building and the sort of the lights go up on him and it sort of like lights him up and he's in that pose with the um uh, the revolver and stuff and I'm like and they've even like this film's like even made to create like an iconic shot of like you know it's, of... it's amazing because like I know for all the production art and stuff they literally just use the comic. Yes. So it's just like if if you read the book, I mean, yeah, I guess the main character is a little bit less shady, um, but other than that, it's pretty. You know, you, you're getting everything you want from it. Mm. Oh yeah, totally, hundred percent. I mean, th- th- this is again is where Dick Tracy tried to do some sort of like warped version of um, the Dick Tracy comics. Um, you know, this is literally gone page to screen. Yeah, uh, and I don't know how many people had had sort of read uh, the 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 Rocketeer graphic novel. I think it was a sort of a cult thing, wasn't it? Mm. It was released independently, like it was an independent comic, wasn't yeah. it? It didn't. Um, but uh, it's it's represented so well on screen, um, yeah. and the fact that like this didn't get a sequel, I say it was a flop at the time. But I, I mean, what was? It's one of those weird ones. Is like you know, was it because it wasn't? Like Batman, uh, I don't know why this didn't yeah. do better. I don't. Maybe it's just a case of like the the subject matter just wasn't, you know, intriguing at the time. Like you say, you don't know like where where were people's heads at, sort of thing. Mm. 
it's it's weird because I say yeah because eighty nine um you know just sort of a couple of years before you'd had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade yeah yeah which true. did which did gangbusters and that's all sort of like Nazis and stuff and but then that's an established character so yeah it's hard to say isn't it I guess there's there's probably something I mean sometimes it can just literally be when it's released in in the year something else can be going on and. Yeah, sort of distracting from it. I don't know. It's I mean, it's, it's it, it, I'd like to sort of might be worth looking into why. But of all the, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the other two on the next show. But of these three, I was thinking as I was going through this, like, would I want to see these again? Not just these films, but these characters. Like, yeah, if someone was to pick this up again and say, I want to do this again, do a reboot or whatever, would I want to see it yeah. again? And I was watching Darkman and going like, "Dear God, no!" no yeah. <laughs> so that's that's an easy one. Yeah, unless unless someone was to pick that up and sort of say, "I'm going to go and do an all-out horror version of this," yeah, um, like it's going to be like really graphic and violent. I'm like, "All right, I might watch that." It'd be one of those things you'd only watch it again if you saw a trailer and you're like, "Actually, that looks like a good film." It yeah. wouldn't be anything to do with the fact that it's Darkman. No, if they announce, if, yeah, if it looks like a good film. I'll watch it, but yeah, otherwise. If they were to announce like a Darkman reboot, I'd be a bit like, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sam Raimi short cash. Um, <laughs> uh, and like Dick Tracy, just I don't think Dick Tracy works in. I don't think it translates to the big screen in the modern world. I don't. Think I don't know. Do it. The, the, yeah, it's it's a strange thing, isn't it? Like, I'd, I'm sure there's probably a way of doing it, but. Mm. Like you know, I couldn't tell you it. Uh, you know, there's a way of doing anything, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, pretty, pretty vague way of <laughs> yeah. sticking it for it. But yeah, I've read, like if you did it as a super pulpy thing that was a bit more, I don't know, a bit less egotistical almost. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, to be fair, I tried. To, I tried to read some of the original comics. I downloaded a couple yeah. of comicsology. Didn't didn't last long. <laughs> no. Well, it's an interesting one. Like. I think Dick Tracy was just is very of its time. Like mm. the trouble is, um, it's like it was. It was actually like as silly as you know the characters are and as daft as it looks. The guy that wrote it like studied um, real police crime stuff. Like actually went in and did training for the book. Oh, really? Yeah. So he did like he did like like a you know fingerprints and stuff like that he went in and trained for it when he was writing it just so he could oh. get the idea and they used there was like issues where they used real cases and stuff it's also the first comic book to have a murder in it oh really yeah so you so, see so the book the comic book the original comic book has actually got some prestige it's got some history it's got a bit of sort of like something to it it's got a sound yeah, like it's actually it's, it sounds like it's got it, some... it's serious it's a serious work yeah. With a bit of tongue in cheek characterization. Um, and then, you know, you've got him and Tess that, with their relationship. And I think that was basically, you know, it's all missed out in the new stuff. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that sounds like that was, this was completely lost in translation for the film. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it focuses on the grotesque rather than on the sort of detection and the criminal, really. Yeah. But I think that's probably a thing where when they made the cartoon of it and stuff like that that's what they started concentrating on uh, mm. you just have like silly looking characters in every episode and then probably you'll find warren Beatty might have been a fan as a kid of the cartoon that's what they liked about it yeah yes yeah, it's, it's the, the point almost yeah 
it'd be interesting to sort of uh, yeah because uh, you i suppose you could do it but it's, it's that thing of sort of like a genre mashup isn't it like you know yeah could it be sort of like csi dick tracy i know um, it's like, can you have you'd have to do it as a comedy i guess but yeah i, I mean the, the only way i think you could really do it in that respect is if you were to go like the batman 66 yeah just route. yeah and you had dick tracy in that sort of the adam west um sure, it work as an animated film i think yeah i could see that i definitely could see yeah. that um if they were you sort of kind of stuff and but yeah it's a strange one whereas rocketeer i mean i would look like how good would it be to see a rocketeer that actually had like um the shadow in and stuff oh well that that's i mean that's the thing that i was sort of coming to because i agree i think there's an element of um of all this is you know how much could they continue um, and we'll get onto the other two the sort of the um the phantom and, and the shadow uh the next show but i would love to see the rocketeer again yeah like, and i think you know if you were to sort of do like a pared down like like it is like you didn't have to have the whole superhero kind of thing like um you could easily do the rocketeer um today we you know the, the special effects yeah. would be amazing and i think it would really get get over i think you know kids could be really get into it or i'd, I'd really get into it as well so yeah um but i think it it helps from the fact that it, it's all it's like timeless almost because when it was made it's it's already a like a nostalgia piece. Mm. So you've got that, that in there and that will always be there. You know, we can always look on those times and, you know, look at the things we liked about them. And that's yeah. what the piece is. And it's got everything of it and it's not going to change. No. Well, you say that. So there was talk of them rebooting the Rocketeer, I think about probably a year or two ago. And it was going to be, and I heard this, oh, that sounds really exciting. What's it going to be? How are they going to do this? Who could play Cliff Secord and all this other stuff? And then you read about it, and like, right, it's going to be a team of girls. Yeah. Well, there's, saw, there's, there's like, a cartoon now, isn't there? Is there? I haven't seen yeah, it. It's, it's a little girl that's got a jetpack. And so is it? Is it the Rocketeer, though? Is it sort of like supposed to be? Yeah, it's proper branded, the Rocketeer. Um, but it's like... Little Rocketeer Adventures or something. It's like a, you know, like a proper young kiddies show, right? Because to me, Disney. when the first that that's I mean that sounds fine if you're going to get kids into it. And I've got I've got no problem with things being you know having that the gender swap and all this other thing. Like I'm ne- I'm never that bothered by it because you go well you've always got the other stuff and I could I can go back yeah. and read the graphic novel I can watch the original film. Exactly. But there's still, but there's still this thing saying like but this has still got massive potential like. Yeah. You use that first and then do yeah. that later. Like you've still got time to do that. Make it good. Like use what you the source material. Like do you know, go back to that. Um and I, I just don't think it's been given the opportunity, which is a real shame. Yeah, because it is like when you read they've got a lot it's not I mean, it's not just the shadow as well, is it? It's like um what's his name? Doc Oh Doc Savage. Doc well, Savage is in it as well and stuff, isn't he? And yeah. So, I mean, a few references. so it'd be cool to see like those are people that no one even knows anymore like no i mean there is a doc savage movie from the 70s it's god awful yeah. but i don't recommend I know, it. Yeah. <laughs> um but um it's one of those things where like you know i i would love to see and i'm not talking like a massive shared universe but 
you could do a pulp, and I've said this on a number of shows, like a, you yeah. could do a pulp hero shared universe, and you could use um, the Rocketeer becomes your sort of um, point of view character. Because that's basically what it is anyway. Mm. You're, not, you're not straying from the story even. Like, he works for the Shadow. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's Jetpack's made by Dot Savage. Yeah. Yeah. All these you, things. And but you, you just you play know, out a bit more. We'll see what we think about the Shadow movie and the Phantom and stuff, but like, yeah. you know, I mean, you could easily do. I mean, to, to, if we sort of take it, if we go back to that original source of what those characters are, you know, Doc Savage came about um, in, I think, 32. The Shadow yeah. came about in 33. You know, um, we'll talk more about Mitch but like, so they came out in the early 30s, and, it, you know, that's when they came out in the pulp. There was the radio. Um, shows for the shadow, um, and then you have others sort of like say the phantoms in the comics. Um, you've got the spider, there's Justice Inc., there's yeah, um, uh, Miss. Well, have, um, have you ever read? Uh, there's a book I would highly recommend it, it's called Masks. Yes, the first, I've yeah. seen, I, there was because they did a set of follow up, didn't they? Masks, too. Yeah, um, I never read them. <laughs> uh, but the, I, I, I didn't read the second one, but yeah, Masks one was really good. That had, like I say, had a yeah. organ, didn't it? Yeah, um, and that was like the first thing I really read with any of them in, um, yeah. to be honest. And then all of a sudden, it's like these characters are amazing. Like, I want to read more. Yeah, and the, you know, I mean, really, the the shadow in particular. I say we'll we'll, we'll definitely get more to this. But yeah. um, the shadow has had all kinds of comics. I mean, there was you know, um, DC had him for a time and did a series. Denny O'Neill did one, yeah. and then more recently with Dynamite, uh, Garth Ennis has done a, a run, um, and they're really good. They are really yeah. good. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I was, I read the Garth Ennis volume and mm. personally didn't really like it, but um, I've read a few of them. Um, and I think I, there's more in the run that's supposed to be. Uh, he only did one volume, didn't he, Garth Ennis? Uh, it's no, I think it runs to about. He did, he did one volume. Someone else did the second, and then Chris Robertson, who did Masks, did volume three and four. Oh, okay, I'll have to check. Yeah. But because yeah. um, I've because I've got them on uh, on comicsology and stuff, so I've, I've read a couple of them. I really you know I think they're good. There's there's been there's been good and bad because there was a more recent yeah. one as well which I wasn't overly keen on. Um, but yeah, I mean I've, I've gone back and read, even gone back and read like the pulps. I've got a couple of them kicking about and stuff, yeah. you know, and the Doc Savage stuff as well. Like Doc Savage is clearly the sort of I don't care what anyone says, right? You've got the light in the dark, which is Batman and Robin, and uh, Batman, so Batman and Superman, Batman, yeah. right? You've got, and then so that's the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight, right? Yeah. Ten, literally, almost sort of like you know, five to eight years before that, you've got the Man of Bronze and the Dark yeah. Vigilante. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's exactly like nothing's ever as new as people think, though, is it? You know. No. Nothing's original. No, so um, but yeah, I'd love to see the Rocketeer again. I really would because yeah, IDW, I, you know, IDW have actually got the comic rights and they've done a series of comics. Uh, yeah, which I've read a couple of those. They've been quite good fun. So I recommend some of those. Uh, there was one called, is it Horror Ho- Horror in Hollywood? That was quite good. Um, and is that, there's another one, The Spirit. Um, you know, yeah, that, that that character sort of uh, Bill um, Will Eisner's The Spirit. Um, yeah. That's another character where the comics are much, much better than the film. Because the Frank Miller yeah, the film. Yeah, he suffers the film. <laughs> yeah, that film's <laughs> awful. Is, yeah. Um, 
but uh, again, that's another great character that sort of has popped up in things. Um, so yeah, no, the Rocketeer. I really, really enjoy this film. Uh, it's in sort of uh, you know rotation. I'll, I'll watch it quite quite often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think between us, we've, I think we quite agree that the Rocketeer is definitely the best of the three in in this. Oh scenario. yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the Rocketeer. I think it was um, definitely like it was it was a good film, and mm. the other two didn't feel like a good film. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's the first, that's the first three in this little series. I think you know we can definitely see sort of as you said that the heavy by nineteen ninety a year later the heavy Batman hangover. That the world yeah. was suffering, um, and sort of year after, sort of um, we have the Rocketeer, which is a completely different tone and an excellent film. Uh, and so it's on Disney Plus. You can get it on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. In fact, what I would say is the cover as well. I don't know if you've seen it, the cover of not the not the, yeah. the the crap one, but there's like an Art Deco style cover of him taking off, like zooming yeah. up. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, again though, like all the art is just basically is it any it's exactly the same as the books and stuff. Mm. So it's just wicked. Yeah, it's a it's a high high recommend for the for the uh for the Rocketeer. So next episode we're going to get back together and we are going to talk about two more sort of sort of final pulp hero films that came out in the 90s. Uh, 1994's The Shadow with Alec Baldwin who yeah. uh yeah, and in that, I think we'll be talking a lot about like why the hell wasn't Alec Baldwin Batman? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then also uh, 1997's um, uh, The Phantom with Billy Zane. Um, and I have to admit, I haven't watched that yet, and I haven't watched that in years. Um, oh, and boy. I watched the trailer the other day, and I was like, I, I don't know whether this looks fun or shit. Oh, the, trailer, the trailer itself is... Well, I watched the trailer before, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it, it feels like a comedy sketch. Yeah. There's bits in the film where I'm like, I think this is... I'm not... I don't know whether the film's <laughs> supposed to be straight, but I watched it and I was thinking, like, this, yeah. looks like, this looks like a campy romp. This could be quite good yeah. fun. I'm not sure if that's what they're going for. <laughs> We shall see. Yeah. What I would say is, before we get to the, the, the final thing, we talked about other films, and the others just popped to mind, but I didn't include it in this, because it sort of seemed a bit later, and it's not so much pulpy, but the other thing is, the final, the end of the decade, you get 1999, you get Zorro as well. Yeah, I, um, I thought about, when I was watching him, I was like, oh, we didn't watch Zorro. Because yeah. that is, you know, but it's I'm, so different. It is. Um, but that's a hell of a good film, that is. Um, yeah, I mean, and, I, to be honest, I've seen it a lot of times anyway. Yeah. So. And that's a film yeah, where I, I, I actually, <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's, you know, because Zorro's good for Antonio Banderas is really good in that. Um, yeah. It's it's weird to have Anthony Hopkins playing uh, a Spanish <laughs> uh, person, <laughs> but that's that's a different story. Um, yeah. But the, I, I watched I watched Zorro not long ago, probably sort of started this year. And again, I really enjoyed it. I think it's really good. Um, yeah. But all I kept thinking of like, is like, wow. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean owes quite a lot to yeah. uh, to Zorro. I know, yeah. Like Zorro is a bit of a it's it's a weird one because it's not a very well remembered film, mm. um, and it's you know it you, you, you know, it's not Oscar worthy or anything, but it's it's so it's a fun film, and mm. I love Zorro to be honest. Such a cool character. Yeah, he is. It really is. 
uh, another one that came about a lot earlier. I think I think Zorro's like um, nineteen nineteen something like maybe even earlier than that. Um, yeah. So predates you know the Zorro yeah the Zorro novel no nineteen oh nine I think the Zorro novel so um, yeah predates all those um, predates like you know you've got in fact if I remember rightly sort of the person who wrote Zorro was obviously inspired by things like the, the Scarlet Pimpernel which which was the sort of like yeah. late Victorian. And then uh, you know you get people like Bill Finger and and um, uh, Maxwell Grant who created the Shadow. So they they all sort of like credit Zorro and his design and his look for when they created their characters. So as you say, not everything's nothing's original. It's all just recycling of yeah, uh, what's come before. Exactly. But yeah. um, if you're looking for a good uh, Zorro read, uh, the Matt Wagner stuff is mm. like the comics are amazing. Also, there's a real. I don't know if you've read um, Django meets Zorro. No, I, I is it good? I, I did. I've seen it. Genuinely, really, really like it. It helps, I think, if you've read Matt Wagner's Zorro because it actually is that version of Zorro. Right. Is it? Is it um, the? Is it the Quentin Tarantino version of Django? Yeah. So yeah, he's Quentin Tarantino's written it. Oh really. Yeah, yeah, and it like to be fair, you don't have to know I mean, if you know Zorro, it doesn't matter anyway. It just is like a little bonus if you've read mm. um, this one before. But it's it, yeah, I was really impressed by it to be honest. Cool. Like usually, especially how often you see filmmakers writing comics, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's not what I wanted. There's very yeah. few. I think there's the only other one I've read just to go slightly off topic. Um, was John Carpenter wrote a uh, an issue of um, about the Joker? Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, which was really good, and I was I, I got it. Like it's probably not gonna be very good, whatever. I was really impressed. But, but yeah, going back to Zorro, go. That is a that's a brilliant book. Okay, I'll definitely check that on on uh, Comicsology yeah. and stuff. Um, but yes, let's wrap up there then. So I think we've we've actually sort of at least we had one of these films we really enjoyed. And um, let's hope we get at least one out of the two uh, for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, we shall see. But Matt, it's been great to have you back on. Uh, really yeah, enjoyed no, talking with um, And just so, one last thing. So where can people find Toon Jam? Anywhere you get your podcast. So uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're, we're on all of them. So yes, yeah, Toon Jam. Toon Jam podcast, you'll find us. And if you want to get in touch with us or anything, you know, uh, we're on the social media as at Toon Jam Pod. Excellent. So you can find us there. Cool. Right. Well, Matt, we shall talk with this again next time. I'll see you again soon. See you soon. Okay, then, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. We have called our first three pulp hero films Darkman, Dick Tracy, and The Rocketeer. But the fun doesn't end there. We have got two more films to go on our next episode. On the next episode, we are going to be covering 1994's The Shadow and 1997's The Phantom. Do we love them? Do we hate them? Well, tune in next time. Same pulp time, same pulp podcast. We will be talking more about those and other things as well, other podcasty type things. Um, but in addition to that, thank you very much for listening. I always appreciate all listeners um, and engage with us. What are your thoughts on these films? Come and say hello uh, on uh, the Twitters or Instagram or Facebook, our Facebook page, 
all of it under 20th Century Geek. So for Twitter, it's at 20th Century Geek. And the same for Instagram and on Facebook. Just search for 20th Century Geek and you'll find the page. Come say hello, come join. There's always notifications and news and things going on on those pages. More than that, if you want to help and support the show, please go on your podcast catcher. Leave a review. We really appreciate all reviews that are left. Um, you know, five star, three star, four star, whatever they are, preferably a five star one. But if you've got any thoughts or any feedback, please let us know. We greatly, greatly appreciate them. More than that, we have also got to keep the lights on here in 20th Century Towers. We've got things like a Amazon gift list if you want to send us some books or some of the things. All of that secondhand books, greatly appreciated and much loved. But also, we have got back on the Patreon bandwagon. It helps us pay for things. It helps us keep things like the domain and all those other bits and pieces going. So, what can you do for that? Well, there are three tiers. There is uh, just, there is the fan, there is the chief, and there is the VIP. Uh, and in those, each one of them will get access to a monthly podcast just called Scott's 30-Minute Thoughts. I pick a subject. Well, no, I don't pick a subject. That's the point. A subject is chosen, and I'll just give 30 minutes on thoughts on that. Uh, the first one has already been decided. That is, or was, uh, Neil Gaiman Sandman, issue one. The next one is going to be on Jaws. Uh, the 1976 blockbuster Jaws. So check it out. Do you want to join and, and support the show? And I greatly appreciate all my Patreons, um, you know, wonderful, wonderful friends of the show, and uh, thank you for your support. Also, in addition to that, uh, we there's other things. You get to vote on what subject I uh, choose. That's in the second tier. And in that third tier, the £10 tier, the big boys, uh, you get to choose on a poll... Every quarter, so four times a year, you'll get to choose a subject for the main stream, the main feed podcast. So there you go. Leave reviews, check out the Amazon gift list, and also check out Patreon. Okay, it's Patreon Podcast. You'll find us on there. So please let us know what you think. And uh, as I say, same pod time, same pod channel. I'll see you next time, guys. Mm-hmm.